good morning and welcome to your DIY Health Radio here on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on Jitsi. And in just a minute, we'll also be on free conference call. My apologies for the late start. <laughs> you are the only participant yeah. in the conference. There we go. And one more thing. There we go. All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. There we go. All right. Now we're officially on Spreaker, Jitsi, and free conference call. And um, I apologize again for the late start. Uh, I got late to bed last night and hit my alarm this morning, and something went wrong. <laughs> Not sure what, but uh, I fell back to sleep and uh, woke up literally um, eight minutes ago, something like that, and managed to get up here and start about 20 seconds late, I think it was. So not too bad. Oh, boy. But anyway, this uh, program is meant to provide... Well, let's start over. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram. You can call me Sarge. It is Thursday, June 1st, 1st of June. Wahoo! First day of the what is the last month of the first half of the uh, year. <laughs> but anyway, yes, yeah, June 1st, 2023. This program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, well, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners national healing modalities that simply assist and, and uh, augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Then visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do it yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. And there's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the iTeraCare device, which is featured prominently at the top of the homepage. And uh, there's lots of information on that. There's downloadable flyers, uh, brochures, a uh, link to a YouTube playlist that has about 130 videos on it and uh, talking about the technology, how it's used, and testimonials from people all over the world uh, talking about how they've had absolutely life-changing results using these things. And then, of course, there's a link to the uh, standalone pl uh, website for the device where you'll find more information, more uh, testimonials, as well as the button you push to place an order. And they're only $380 delivered to your door in the U.S. within two to three days. And uh, prices vary throughout the world. They're available in over 50 countries, but uh, here they're $380 exactly. No additional charges of any kind. And uh, uh, that will get you delivered, like I said, two to three days on average. And depending on when you place the order, like if you place it today, it'll probably be Monday or Tuesday at the latest. Um, but, you know, uh, during the week... You know, if you place it on Monday, you should have it by Wednesday. So anyway, that's pretty much how things go. And they are amazing. People are just having fantastic results on everything from skin tags to cancer. And you have to realize these are not medical devices. They're simply a home electronic device that puts out terahertz frequencies that your body uses to fix itself. 
It works along the same lines as the longevity supplements. They don't heal anything in and of themselves. They simply give your body the things that it was designed to use to effectuate healing and detoxification, which is a big thing, especially now in the COVID age. Um, we have seen people um, that have been taking the longevity supplements take the COVID jabs and have absolutely no problems whatsoever. We've also seen other people who didn't, weren't doing anything, who took the COVID jabs and had massive problems and got on the uh, terahertz uh, wagon and started using the iTeraCare and within a few days had reversed the vast majority of their problems and had gained 85, 90, 95% of their life back. And these are people who were before that sitting in wheelchairs vibrating because they couldn't walk and literally one person had a gun in her mouth ready to take her own life because she was so distraught over the outlook of living like this for the rest of her life. Luckily, thoughts of her loved ones kept her from doing it. And a week later, she saw a YouTube video of one of the other folks who reversed their conditions using the care wand. And she got one and reversed hers as well. And now more and more people are having fantastic results, including folks that uh, some of my listeners know. Uh, I have a guy on my afternoon show on Thursdays whose neighbor was having effects from one of the jabs. And he gave her one of the, the one that I had sent to him to try out. And lo and behold, her conditions got better as well. So um, these things are really awesome. They're helping lots and lots of people all over the world. Uh, and if you have issues like that, they could help you too, more than likely. No promises because everybody's body responds differently, but those are the results that we are seeing. So you can get yours by going to yourdiyhealth.com. And um, the wand is featured prominently at the top of the homepage so that everybody and anybody can see it. And you can play the videos and all that good stuff. And we encourage you to do it because, you know, time's coming when things are going to shut down. And, you know, people think you're, we're crazy when we talk about this stuff. But quite honestly, you know, the plants are in the mix to shut down the power grid. Um, and we don't know when it's going to happen. We just know it probably will. Because the people that are talking about it are the same people that we're talking about and warning us about COVID. So we are, you know, it's, it's in our best interest. It would behoove us to listen to these people because they told us the truth before. That's one of the things about the Illuminati, the um, Council on Foreign Relations, whoever you want to call it, the people running the sh calling the shots. One of the things that their rules tell them they have to do is they've got to tell us ahead of time what they're going to do to us. Trouble is, it's usually in movies or show, TV shows, and most people just look at it like it's some sort of science fiction entertainment or something, and they ignore the warnings. And then the warnings come true and says, I remember that in a movie. You know, look back, uh, remember back to East Palestine, Ohio, back in, when was it, February? And we came across a Netflix movie that was made the year before talking about a train wreck and release of temp chemicals. And lo and behold, people from East Palestine were in that movie. And then it happened. Hmm. 
we ought to we ought to heed the warnings. So when the power grid goes down and all the other stuff goes down, uh, grocery stores, pharmacies, doctors' offices are all closed. What you gonna do? You know, if you got a little first aid kit, got some aspirin and a few band aids in it, not gonna get you very far. But if you've got something like this that you and a uh, either a generator or a solar backup unit, which I've got several of both. Um, I can make my own electricity and uh, do some things like that to keep my Care running, and it will make a big, big, big difference, and you'll be able to help a lot of people down the road, and uh, it may very well save your life or that of a loved one's. So be sure and check out the uh, website, yourdiyhealth.com, and check out the Care information and all the other stuff that's there. You know, I would also recommend starting to get some of the longevity products. At the very least, get some of the mineral caps and the, um, oh, good grief. There's another product called, from one of the companies we absorbed by the name of Biomedics. They have a calcium magnesium product called CalMag 100. It uh, is a great product. It's low price. Uh, you could stock up a lot of this stuff. It's a powder that mixes in water. And uh, gives you a, you know, one, one scoop is a day's worth of calcium and magnesium. And uh, that's going to be very, very important down the road, especially for bones and joints and muscle function, that kind of thing. Um, the mineral caps are, one mineral cap is the same as one ounce of liquid minerals. And it's much easier to store. Uh, they come in a much smaller uh, container. Uh, a bottle of mineral caps costs twice as much as a bottle of minerals because it's the same uh, amount of minerals as two bottles. So you're actually uh, saving money by buying one bottle of mineral caps versus two bottles of liquid minerals. And they're easier to store, easier to transport, much lighter weight, and uh, last indefinitely. Those two things would uh, be very, very helpful when the nutritional stuff goes down and uh, you're hurting. But uh, there are other things as well. But um, the Ultimate Daily, uh, or uh, wait a minute, no, the um, Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets would also be good because they uh, have all the vitamins in them, but they don't have the minerals. <laughs> uh, you can only pack so much into a caplet. So um, the uh, Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets, along with the mineral caps, uh, and the uh, CalMag 100 pretty much provides you all of the Mighty 90, all the 90 essential nutrients that you need on a daily basis. So um, getting some of those, they're all, like I said, they're in caplet or, or capsule form, um, very low, you know, easy to store, you know, stockpile, that kind of thing. And if you're one of those folks that has a longevity auto ship and you're thinking, well, I've got a bunch of stuff backing up on me right now, um, maybe I should uh, cancel some items or stop the auto ship for a month or two. If you can afford to keep it, keep it. Because whatever you get coming in, if you're not using it right away, stockpile it. You know, the more you have set back for a rainy day, the better off you're going to be down the road when this stuff's not available any longer. So, you know, I'm the same way. Sometimes I, I either forget or I, I don't do it a lot, but... Um, I just, a lot of times, will have more left at the end of the month. And I keep my auto ships coming with the same stuff every month. And that way, anything extra gets stored. And I mark the dates and that kind of stuff, you know, 
really there's no need. Uh, this stuff is vitamins, minerals. As long as the liquids are kept sealed, they're good indefinitely, pretty much. Um, they have to put an expiration date on them because of you know, our rules here in the U.S. But uh, from what I understand, <laughs> the U.S. is pretty much the only country in the world that puts expiration dates on canned goods and nutritional supplements. So uh, these things, minerals, I mean, they'll last forever. You don't have to worry about them. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you want to rotate or whatnot, now the liquids, once the bottles are opened, they will go bad in a certain amount of time if they're not refrigerated. So you got to make sure you either have, uh, some sort of refrigeration or switch over to the powders that you mix in water, which during times of, uh, you know, grid down and that kind of thing would definitely be the way to go. So I have, uh, things that are coming in that I'm going to use normally, uh, in liquid form. And then the rest of the stuff I get in powder form or capsules or caplets and that kind of thing. And that way, the stuff that's coming in that form gets put back and stored for rainy days, so to speak, when the grid is down. But um, those are the kind of things that you want to be thinking about. And um, I'm also <laughs> going to be playing a video here in a few minutes that will um, cover something else that you ought to be thinking about. And uh, but before we do that, I want to finish up my entry notes because I got a little carried away. Uh, keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on the show are those that host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, free conference call, uh, Jitsi, or their owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence that, uh, and so that what you are doing, you know, doing or trying or to make sure that what you're doing and trying is right for you. All right, that being said, um, I have uh, caught an interview yesterday or two days ago of Maria Z of Z Media down in Australia interviewing, um, what was his name, Dane Wigington of uh, uh, geoengineeringwatch.org. That's it. That's his website, geoengineeringwatch.org. And they were talking about chemtrails and um, some pretty freaky stuff, actually. And um, I'm going to play a little uh, video of that right now it's about 46 minutes long so it'll probably take us just past the top of the hour but this is some important information that we need to be aware of so here we go Kerry has declared war on farming and i just loved owen troy's impression of him earlier it was fantastic a new article has been published in the mainstream media in australia about farming in the future and they say quote food will be sourced from underwater farms and artificial intelligence by 2049 if climate change isn't taken seriously climate change being the uh, effects that they are creating on the climate they predict that in 26 years a large ai creature that absorbs people's food memories before spitting out a petri dish containing that me that memory will exist alongside air conditioning jackets and flying cars they go on to say a concept known as mind food will also exist where ai will play a role in visual and sensory consumption well that is the maniac future that they have planned if we don't do something to stop it 
And one of the things that we have to stop is geoengineering. I'm joined today by special guest Dane Wigington of geoengineeringwatch.org. Dane, thank you so much for coming on. I think we're having some issues. I'm having some issues hearing you, Dane. I don't know if the audience is having the same issues, if the team can just work on that for a moment. Dane, if you're not familiar with his work, geoengineeringwatch.org is one of, I think, the largest library uh, of research that Dane has been doing over the years, him and his team, and it is very, very solid information. They have an entire document yeah, library where you can view geoengineering over the years. Uh, they've got the patents that have been filed for geoengineering. It is not a conspiracy theory. It is conspiracy fact. And you can see that fact if you visit geoengineeringwatch.org. I think we've got Dane back now. Dane, thank you. Can you hear me okay now? We sure do, Dane. Thank you loud and clear. Thank you for your continued attention to this issue. And yes, our point, our premise, our mission at geoengineeringwatch.org is that there can be no legitimate discussion about climate anything from any perspective without addressing the climate engineering operations, which are the single most disrupting factor of all. We're not denying the other sources of damage to the planet from other forms of human activity, but we're saying that how can anybody address any aspect of the climate without addressing this biggest of all climate disrupting equation? And as you stated earlier, Maria, on the crop disruption, we're seeing such a consistent targeting of agricultural regions at critical points in agricultural production, flash freeze, flash drought, flash flood, that we can't now discount that climate engineering is being used as a weapon to thwart crop production, period. This conclusion is, is backed up by hard data. Absolutely, Dane. And I think when, when I reached out to you, you said sim a similar thing to me. You said, thank you for your continued attention to this issue. How can we not pay attention to this issue? You know, the first time I interviewed you, which is <clears throat> some time ago now, uh, the skies, even at that point, which it, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, you could still see a clear sky. I can't remember the last time that I saw a completely clear sky for an entire day or more than one whole day, Dane. It is absolutely insane. They have gone mad. Uh, and when I when I reached out to you, you said to me that there have been developments on the geoengineering front. A lot more is happening around the world. So I want to focus on that with you today. Um, but really, for, for, for people that don't understand, give us, we've got a minute until the break, a brief overview of how long has this been happening and when did we really start seeing the acceptance? Climate engineering programs have been ongoing since immediately after World War II, but we saw a major ramp up in 1999. We've seen several ramp ups ramp up since 2012 as well. The stated purpose for your listeners from the scientific community is to put light scattering particles into the sky to block some of the sun's incoming thermal energy, the sun's heat. What else does that do? It traps more heat than it deflects, creating more overall warming. It's destroying the ozone layer, disrupting the hydrological cycle, contaminating every single breath we take. So the bottom line is there's no rational denial of this issue at this point, Maria, because we have up close film footage of these aircraft at altitude, nozzles visible, turning on and off. And that image that's being shown right now is not climate engineering. In fact, that's weather modification that's very different from climate engineering. Those planes, single engine propeller plane with flares in the wing can dump a few pounds of material in the atmosphere at best. A military tanker like a KC-135 can dump 100 tons of nanoparticles in one payload. So keep in mind, there's two different distinctions here. The weather modification Hang on, is huge. Dane, we've, we've got to go to break. I want you to continue on the difference between climate and weather engineering right after this short break. Don't go anywhere. 
Dane Wigington of geoengineeringwatch.org is here now talking to us about the different types of engineering that we're seeing uh, in the weather and the climate. Dane, please go on with what you were saying before the break. Thank you, Maria. Important distinction that the publicized weather modification programs, which are generally single engine propeller driven airplanes with a few flares on the wings, those programs are designed to confuse the public as to what climate engineering actually is. They're used as a, as a smokescreen, if you will, to, to mask climate engineering from the population. So the bottom line is very big difference distinction between the known weather modification, which is cloud seeding, very small scale, meaningless against the backdrop of the climate intervention operations, which our precipitation tests have extrapolated the amount of material being dumped into the skies annually from geoengineering jet aircraft to be somewhere in the range of 40 to 60 million tons of nanoparticles dumped into our skies. And again, this is creating conditions, Maria, like you see on almost every storm now in the US, you have massive hail. And that's indicative of climate engineering operations with chemical ice nucleating elements. They can create surface flash freezes, but this is damaging crops as well. Uh, again, the degree to which the planet's life support systems are being disrupted by climate engineering, aka weather warfare, let's call it what it is, it can't be overstated. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you about these the, the, the nanoparticles that have been dumped into the air. We're hearing a lot about nanotechnology, nanoparticles. I've previously asked you the questions, you know, do these nanoparticles cre uh, contain technology? You said uh, you've released a documentary, Graphene Skies. This is something that is being sprayed. Talk to us about the difference between what was contained in nanoparticles back then and now. Have we got an analysis on that? Well, we do know the, the primary elements, aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, surfactants, which are what makes soap soap. If people have seen foaming rain, that is indicative of surfactants being seeded. It keeps these particles from sticking together, but also graphene. So in the case of graphene and polymer fibers, we know that those two elements are used militarily for biological warfare as biological carrier agents. It means it can carry a pathogen from the cloud to the ground. Why are these elements in our rain? And they absolutely are. Our last 100 lab tests almost all contain graphene. So again, the, the gravity what's folding in our, unfolding in our skies being waged on populations without their knowledge or consent can't be overstated. It's not just weather warfare, but at this point must be considered also a form of biological warfare as well. And here's my question, Maria. When the power structure feels that they are completely backed into a corner, Will they level the playing field by dispersing something much more devastating, like a hemorrhagic fever, Ebola, Marburg? Would they use these biological carrier platforms that are already being sprayed into our skies to carry that type of pathogen from the cloud to the ground? I think we would be very naive to think they wouldn't. Well, I want to ask you about that because I did listen to a couple of your recent updates where you were talking about pathogens. Is it possible? to spray something like hemorrhagic fever or something that would trigger hemorrhagic fever in the skies. And I want to add here that from people like Todd Callender and, and his um, team, Lisa McGee, they found uh, that within the shots, and I've had Todd on this broadcast before, within the shots, there is programmable technology that can actually uh, create these symptoms uh, remotely even uh, that was in the COVID injections. Now we're finding that this is, you know, this similar technology is being found in food, in the air, in the water, everywhere. Uh, so is are we talking about pro programmable technology in the skies as well um, and part biological, part technological pathogens being sprayed in the air? 
In regard to anything in those categories, I, I, I would not want to speak about what we can't know, but what we can know is bad enough. What we do know is more than dire enough to call this an existential threat. So again, when we know we have the world's second most recognized climate engineer, Dr. Ken Caldera, former Department of Defense scientist, we have an audio of him on the record stating what he did for the US Department of Defense was to design ways of spraying pathogens into clouds to infect the populations below. He now works for Bill Gates, by the way, but when we know this technology is actively sought, pursued, refined from the US Department of Defense, why would we think they're not going to use this on U.S. populations when we know as of 1977, according to the Washington Post, the U.S. military had conducted at least 239 open-air biological tests on innocent, unknowing U.S. populations. So the bottom line is they would use this certainly based on their past history to level the playing field. They have the technology to do it. The spraying operations are already in place. The elements used to carry these pathogens from the clouds to the ground are already in the mix. And even without these other pathogens, all these particles are fungal proliferation platforms. And we have fungal infection decimating everything from soil microbiome to flora, trees, crops. And so this is a platform with which they can wreak havoc on the entire web of life and populations without those populations ever even knowing they're under assault, Maria. They can blame it on nature. It's absolutely criminal. It is absolutely criminal. You know, <clears throat> every time I've interviewed Dane, I've said, we can do our best to avoid the shots. We can do our best to avoid major chain grocery meat, which is where this, uh, the technology that I'm talking about has been found. Just look at my recent interview with Dr. Anna Mahaicha on that subject. It's up on band.video. Uh, and so, and by the way, Z Media is conducting a, a, a very, very important interview this week with Dr. Anna and Karen Kingston on this uh, subject of the polymer fibers and the graphene as well, Dane, because uh, these two things. <clears throat> Uh, seem to be a key in a lot of this technology. Um, so actually, before I move on, talk to us about these polymer fibers and graphene. Why is this so key to them and their technology? In addition to the scenarios I've already mentioned, we now know from peer-reviewed science study that the polymer <coughs> nanoparticles are showing up in human everything, human organs, in the brain. It crosses the blood-brain barrier. The smaller the particle is, regardless of the material, the more lethal it becomes. And we're talking about lethal materials on top, on top of that. Again, aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer, the graphene. All of these combined create what's called synergistic toxicity, so they become much more toxic still. And this doesn't even take into account potential pathogens that are being utilized with these materials as well. So in the case of Mercury and aluminum, which we all have in us now, we know that the combination of those two materials increases the overall toxicity by 10,000%. That's 100 times worse. It's a wonder any of us can function at this point, Maria. So the bottom line is, as you so correctly stated, we can hide from the injection, but we can't hide from the air we need to breathe. And these particular that are all over the globe, ubiquitously raining down on all of us. And we have, again, peer-reviewed study to prove that there is not an uncontaminated drop of rain anywhere on planet Earth at this point. Nowhere, North Pole, South Pole, top of Mount Everest, every single drop of rain is contaminated with forever chemicals, including the elements I've just named. All right, 
Who's doing this, Dane? I mean, I, I want to say right now, Z Media has a really bombshell report on geoengineering because we, we, we've really been focusing on this of late and we found some damning evidence. That'll be released next week. It'll be up on Band Video. So keep an eye out for that on the Z Media uh, banner on Band Video. But it, to your knowledge, who is actually responsible for this, Dane? I think we can say this with absolute certainty that all roads lead back to the source of money. Those who control the central bankers, they fund militaries, thus they control militaries, thus they control countries. So that is the top tier of the matrix, if you will, those who control the money printing. All roads lead there, Maria. I've I've found some contracts with, you know, local energy companies there in the US. Uh, I've found contracts with water management companies in the US, the state of Utah, Colorado. As I said, really huge report coming out next week on this. Um, but, you know, how, how is it that a that a local energy company is thinking that it's a great idea to go and spray stuff in the sky and, you know, within their own documents saying that they're going to be doing this to cool the earth and, and talking about the toxic chemicals that they're spraying. What, what, how do they get away with this, Dane? Well, they convince the public that more technology will fix what technology did in the first place. And that at this point should be seen for the insanity that it is. So the bottom line is, with what climate engineering is affecting, again, every breath we take, they are also drying out boreal forests, creating the conditions for unprecedented wildfires to burn. Many would ask, why would they do that? It's important to understand what their myopic goal is, to put as much atmospheric particulate pollution in the sky as possible. And they're now using forest fires as part of this mechanism. And their stated purpose is to mimic the temporary cooling effect of a volcano. And that's what they're incinerating. Let's get back to that right after the break. Dane, viewers, don't go anywhere. Share this broadcast everywhere. And we are back with geoengineering expert Dane Wigington. Dane, before the break, you were talking. Please continue. Just wanted to make, make clear the degree of insanity we're dealing with to incinerate Earth's last remaining life support systems, i.e. the boreal forests, in an attempt to put more particulate matter into the atmosphere. And what's their next step after that, Maria? We have leaders, I don't want to even, that, that term is far too dignified for them, but we have people in Washington already discussing what they see as a potential benefit in a nuclear bomb exchange to put even more particulate matter in the atmosphere. And if that happens, we're done. And that's, but that's how they see a solution to what they see wrong with the climate is to fill the atmosphere with particulate matter and about the forest fires and their burning. Climate engineering is absolutely positively setting the template for those fires to burn with such ferocity. We have fires burning now throughout Canada, including Quebec. We have Northern Siberia on fire, incinerating. While actually this was going on when we even had two weeks ago, plus we had snow in Southern California while we had Canada and Siberia incinerating. That's not normal. It's not nature. I encourage your listeners to search this title, one of our most important reports, search wildfires serve geoengineering agenda. There's copies of peer-reviewed study in that report advocating for the burning of forests for the purposes of geoengineering. So consider that level of insanity and is our nuclear weapons next. And the source of ignition, I want to make this clear, the source of ignition for these fires, that's a separate subject. Our point is what is setting the template for these fires to burn with such ferocity? That is climate engineering, period. 
It's interesting you say that. I had uh, Celeste Solom right here on uh, the Alex Jones show not that long ago. She's uh, she's a researcher and she was talking to me about the wildfires that happened uh, in Australia just before COVID. Uh, and she was discussing uh, aircrafts that are able to spray something to essentially put the population into a spell so that they're you know, ready for the propaganda that's coming. So that's the spiritual aspect of this. But I wonder with the, uh, with from a geoengineering aspect, uh, you know, are they able to manipulate the population through what they're spraying? Are the chemicals able to make, make us docile and things of this nature? Well, certainly we know with absolute certainty that the particles we are absorbing. They're very bioavailable, very bioaccumulative. They build up in our system. We know that that has a very negative cognitive effect, period. We know that IQs in the U.S. based on peer-reviewed science study have declined six to nine points in the last generation. That's an astronomical drop in cognitive function. So the bottom line is, yes, we know in the case of moon nanoparticles, based on available science study, they enter through the olfactory nerve in the nasal passages, go straight into the bloodstream, cross the blood-brain barrier, and start a cascading downstream negative effect of cognitive dysfunction. So that's a given. These particles are making us all dumber by the day, period. That's indisputed science fact. But when we see them, and we have film footage of this in our groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which is available for free to view on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, we captured time-lapse film footage of blanket aerosol spraying directly on top of the smoke canopy above the, the very well-known Paradise Fire. Film footage proves this. Why are they blanket spraying particulate matter on top of a smoke canopy so it settles down through that canopy? We know at minimum these particles are incendiaries. Aluminum is an incendiary dust. It's settling over forest foliage, the forest floors, so that further fuels the ferocity of the fires. But what else might be in this mix that we're all inhaling. And we know how toxic smoke is anyway. When you start to add all this to it, it becomes unbelievably toxic to a degree that we can't even quantify at this point. Uh, you mentioned recently that, that, I think it even says it on your website, that this is happening predominantly over highly populated areas. Why do they choose to focus on highly populated areas? Is it mainly about poisoning those people? That wouldn't have been from our website. Because we, okay, we definitely see blanket, we see, we see blanket spraying over very remote areas, Siberia, North Pole, South Pole. And again, to affect global weather patterns, it, anywhere you apply these types of technologies, it, it's affecting the entire system. And we know climate engineering was first fully deployed over the polar regions. But the bottom line is wherever this is deployed, even if people don't see it in the skies directly above them, it's drifting in from upwind. There's no place to hide. As you so correctly stated earlier in this exchange, there's absolutely nowhere to hide from this particulate matter. And at best, what people think now is a blue sky is a silvery white particulate field sky. Encourage people to go outside if they have a dark location near them on a, a day that's hazy where they're, they're dispersing these aerosols. Take the brightest light they can find, dark place, aim it straight up into the sky and look up through that beam. You have to see it to believe it. It looks like you're in a blizzard. There's so many particles coming down. You can't see them during the daytime. Consider that we're breathing that all with every breath we take. And, and I'll leave it at this. We have recent peer-reviewed science study that concludes that we are inhaling as many as 20 million nanoparticles in every single breath we take. That is very difficult to conceptualize or believe, but consider that 
100,000 nanoparticles can, can fit across the width of a single human hair. That's how much particulate matter we're breathing. In fact, recent peer-reviewed study indicates we might be breathing as enough plastic to make a credit card every month. Try to, try to understand that. That's mixed in food, the air we breathe. So these nanoparticles are everywhere. They're a primary element in climate engineering patents. It's not just decomposing plastic around the globe. It's also what's being dispersed into our skies as part of these operations. I Zay uh, Media did a report some time ago, Dane, on the uh, geoengineering, Australian geoengineering, and we found legislation that dates back decades, the Rainmaking Act uh, in Victoria, the state of Victoria, and that legislation clearly states that rainmaking operations that are done in Victoria can affect other states. And so, you know, people normally think that this is just, it's got to be directly overhead in order for it to affect that area. But this is, um, we're talking about thousands of kilometres away being affected from one rainmaking operation in Victoria. And they're supposed to, you know, submit these reports regularly. Uh, you know, we've had freedom of information requests. They didn't respond to my initial inquiry, uh, the department that's responsible for this. So, you know, talk to us about, being able to affect weather uh, from one location to another, because I know that I believe it was 2016 or 17, WeatherTech conducted rainmaking operations from Jordan in Australia. They do, certainly a lot of private companies involved in this now. Uh, the basic principle is completely flawed. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand if you seed clouds in one place and make that rain fall where it otherwise wouldn't have, it didn't get to where it was going. And again, all these private smaller scale companies pale in comparison. They're virtually meaningless against the backdrop of climate engineering operations. So again, look at it as a matter of scale. A small scale weather modification plane perhaps can disperse a few kilos of materials into the clouds. A KC-135 military tanker, US military tanker can dump a hundred tons in one payload. So they use again the smaller scale weather modification as a smoke screen for the larger geoengineering operations. In regards to their ability to affect weather, we know from historical record Project Popeye in Vietnam was so successful at affecting rain precipitation that they passed international treaties in the 70s forbidding weather modification. Not that anybody follows those treaties. And we have, as far as cutting off the precipitation, immediately after 9 11, we had the list of countries the US targeted, a list that existed clearly before 9 11. And we had all of those countries subsequently underwent a once in 1,000 year drought. Statistically, mathematically, it's impossible to have that kind of coincidence without Dang, climate we've, engineering. We've weather. got to go to break again. We've got to go to break. We'll be back in a short time. Don't go anywhere. We're here with Dane Wigington, geoengineeringwatch.org. Weather warfare today is perhaps one of the most egregious, if not the most criminal aspect to this war that is being waged against humanity because it's something that we simply can't control. We can control what we put in our bodies, but we can't control what they are spraying above us and the the absolute disaster that they are creating to this planet with their weather warfare. Uh, before the break, Dane, you were talking about uh, the fact that, you know, geoengineering uh, is not supposed to happen and and they they you know uh, had had treaties to prevent this and you know we we have similar treaties as far as biological warfare goes but the globalists don't seem to care about that anymore they're just waging this warfare everywhere they do whatever they want because they can so to cut to the chase on how these weapons are used again the crown jewel weapon of the military industrial complex 
that they can bring population to their knees without those populations even knowing they're under assault. So the Middle Eastern countries were hit hard, destabilizing, again, cutting off their precipitation, destabilizing food production, thus destabilizing populations. Same programs have been used throughout Africa for decades, destabilizing those countries behind the scenes, U.S. government forcing those countries to allow U.S. occupation. Again, this this a very covert and very effective weapon. And I don't want to implicate just the U.S. military. They are all involved with this. We have documents at geoengineeringwatch.org. In fact, one Senate document, 800 pages long, going back to the 70s. Your listeners can look this up under massive Senate document, geoengineeringwatch.org. And that outlines the global cooperation in these programs for exactly the reasons you so correctly mentioned earlier, Maria, that when you geoengineer over any part of the world, you affect the entire world. So they all have to be colluding and cooperating, and indeed they are. And this Senate document calls for that intergovernmental cooperation, even between otherwise adversarial nations, i.e. China, Russia, U.S., on these programs. Because again, you can't just geoengineer over your own country. They're all involved. U.S. military being the biggest player of all, because our military is bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. And if we look at the tanker fleets, aerial tanker fleets, U.S. military aerial tanker fleet is three times bigger than all other militaries in the world combined. So it's the biggest player, but not the only player. They're all involved. Whatever the surface tensions are, Maria, they are all involved with these programs for numerous reasons. It's not just a this or that reason. There are many reasons, and we outline those at geoengineeringwatch.org. And you and I have spoken about this before, but for anyone who hasn't seen our prior interviews, talk to us about things on the ground like HARP. What is the difference between uh, that technology and how does it affect the weather differently to what's being sprayed? Thank you for asking. Very, very important question. We have these atmospheric particulates, which are electrically conductive. They're being manipulated with extremely powerful frequency transmissions. HARP is only one of as many as 100 similar facilities, different designs around the world. HARP is the biggest of all. There's multiple aspects in which they can manipulate the weather. In the case of HARP, it's an ionosphere heater. That is a weapon of mass destruction. There's no speculation this facility exists. Your listeners can look at photos of it and, and research data on it. HARP can beam three and a half million watts of power into the electrically charged ionosphere. That creates massive heating in that layer of the atmosphere, pushes, it, pushes the atmosphere up and down. The downward push creates a high pressure heat dome. Rhea, you've probably heard meteorologists mention this a lot more lately. High pressure heat domes, extreme heat under these regions. And in doing this, they can wreak havoc on the ground. They can literally fry crops in the field. And they, in the northern hemisphere, for example, the upper level winds spin clockwise around that heat dome so they can push moisture around that what acts like an atmospheric pulley and direct it into other regions where they can chemically nucleate, create hail, extreme storms. We see the extreme storms now constantly in the U.S. over many of the agricultural regions. And when you create these types of colliding air masses, you get a, a multitude of cyclonic rotations, i.e. tornadoes. So again, the complexity of the havoc they are wreaking on the planet, our food production, populations can't be overstated. In addition to all that, Everything they spray settles to the surface. We get to breathe it, all of it highly toxic. Thank you for clarifying that, Dane. I want to ask you because you talk, you've spoken to me about the heat domes that they create before. And for those that don't know, in Australia, they were talking to us about uh, uh, La Nina and, you know, uh, months and months and months of rain, which we've never had, uh, you know. But what I want to ask you, Dane, is my observations 
as someone who's lived in this country that has had obnoxiously hot summers since I can remember as a child. I mean, to the point of we're going to die. It's so hot. We're not having warm weather at all anymore. I mean, it is rare. Last year we had, you know, the, the number of beach days I could probably count on two hands uh, during our summer. It's just freezing all the time. And now they're coming out with articles in the mainstream media saying that, you know, freezing temperatures are sweeping over Australia. How is that possible when they're creating, you know, as you said, they're trapping the heat? Uh, why is it so cold? It's cold in a select few regions in parts of the U.S. and the U.S. Southeast just experienced this as, as well. They had some record cold temperatures over Memorial Day weekend, while the majority of the rest of the world is incinerating. So this is part of the climate engineering agenda to affect the perception of populations. If it's cold outside their door, it must be cold everywhere. This is, again, chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. These are patented technologies. Your listeners can search the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. That's why we have the massive hail everywhere. It's causing ice to nucleate at far above normal temperatures. It's a chemical nucleation. So what was what's occurring again while you're experiencing those temperatures in Australia, while the US Southeast just had record cold temperatures? Northern Siberia, record highs, pushing 100 incinerations, same in Canada. We had Thailand just record, according to the China Morning Post, Thailand just recorded a temperature of 120 degrees. It obliterated all former records. India, 114 degrees in April. Americans don't see this. So again, if it's hard to perceive of something being different somewhere else when it's cold outside your door. But I want to make clear that's a very shallow layer of cold. We're speaking to pilots that hit a thousand feet up off the deck and they're seeing temperatures jump 25 degrees, sometimes more. We've been contacted by two former military pilots that recently had, they fly private jets, they fly very important people. Their jets were forced into a, an emergency autopilot descent from above 40,000 feet because it was 45 degrees above normal. The air wasn't dense enough to even carry those aircraft. So again, people need to look at the global perspective, not just outside their front door, and we recorded for the entire month of March. Maria, you remember all the snowpocalypse here in the West, correct? Yes. You remember that. So what happened during March elsewhere? We, when we have the departure for normal high temperature map for the entire month of March, the only place in the entire world that was below normal temperatures was part of the North American continent where this was going on. Virtually the entire globe was red at above or far above normal. So I, I want to point out again, climate engineering is absolutely worsening the planetary temperature scenario. And we have peer-reviewed science study to prove that now. So the, the entire premise for solar radiation management is completely flawed. There is no benevolence in these programs. They're malevolent, period. They're about power and control, period. And they are destroying what's left of the planet's life support systems, period. Look, I am very, very skeptical as far as the, uh, you know, the, the temperatures that are released by organizations such as the Bureau of Meteorology and, and places like this, you know, official government bodies telling us that the world's on fire. Um, but I, I certainly accept, you know, what you're telling me from the pilots that you're talking to and the fact that we may not I may not know everything that's going out there. I mean, I certainly don't claim to. Uh, so so that's really fascinating information. I mean, everyone I speak to uh, here in this country just complains about how cold it is and we hate it. We want our stinking hot Australia back. Uh, you know, it's what we're They're known for. Uh, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I, I, I don't doubt that. Um, I, after the break, we're we're going to break in about thirty seconds, forty seconds. But I, I want to talk to you about the green agenda and how they're telling us that CO two, which is the gas of life, is the the problem here. Um, and what your thoughts on that are. And then I really want to focus on some of your recent work, some of your recent reports, and what people need to do in the last segment of today's uh, show. Because I think you know when we look at all of these agendas, Dane, we just think, my goodness, it's all so big. But you're an example of someone who's gone right. This particular thing, I, I'm going to dedicate my life to it, and I'm going to make a difference. And you really are. You've woken so many people up. So right after the break, we're going to talk about those th- those few things. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're back with Dane Wigington of GeoengineeringWatch.org. So Dane, I talk to a lot of people, and they are willing to accept the fact that the green agenda is a farce, uh, and that limiting CO2 uh, any further is going to be incredibly incredibly detrimental to our all living beings and plant life and everything. Uh, but they they struggle to make the link between geoengineering and the obvious green agenda. Can you talk to us about that? I, I certainly completely agree with you that the, the so-called green agenda is anything but green. The current forms of so-called renewable energy, and again, that's part of my background. I work for Bechtel Power, the world's largest engineering firm. I worked on some of the first commercial solar plants in the U.S. My home is off-grid, wind, hydro, and solar. First, climate engineering is decimating all three forms of alternative energy, wind, hydro, and solar. So wouldn't we have the so-called green community up in arms about climate engineering? They won't say a thing because they want to protect all the so-called green organizations want to protect their 501c3 nonprofit. So they won't talk about this issue. We know that because our attorneys have spoken to their attorneys, all the major groups, Greenpeace, Sierra Club, all of them. So that's the epitome of hypocrisy. And beyond this, again, the treatment of the planet by the human race, I don't think we can argue has been very poor. What we're trying to do at geoengineeringwatch.org is to get all sides of this fence to unite in the common cause that interfering with the planet's life support systems is in none of our best interests. If we can expose this and halt it, we can then address where the planet is is at from an environmental standpoint, from a climate standpoint. But while these programs are being utilized, we can't have a true accurate assessment. So when we change atmospheric chemistry, and it's not just CO2 doing this, and again, when you alter chemistry this fast, it's it, it is a problem for organisms that haven't adapted. But when you fill the atmosphere with bioavailable, bioaccumulative elements that are being absorbed into everything, that's a destruction of the web of life from the bottom up. And even in the case of the bees, which I think, Maria, many people know that there's a problem with the bees, we have peer-reviewed science study that makes clear bees are dying of massive aluminum exposure in the middle of wilderness areas away from all industry. Where's that coming from? It's coming from climate engineering operations. Your listeners can search bees aluminum. They can review this for themselves. So what we're saying at geoengineeringwatch.org is that we need to unite behind this common theme, everybody from all sides of the fence, that climate engineering is in none of our best interests, and there can be no legitimate discussion about climate anything without addressing this first and foremost. So again, about the so-called renewable energy, obviously the problems are finally coming to light from wind turbines to electric cars. How many child slave laborers are there in third world countries decimating what's left of their environments to to get the trace minerals necessary for the so-called green car. 
that now we know from about two days ago, a new study that they don't want anybody charging their cars at night because the grid can't take it and they're being charged it with coal-fired power plants anyway. This is the epitome of, of total insanity, all of this. There's, there's a gas used in solar power production called hexafluorothane. It's 17,000 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. Do we hear any of the green communities talking about that? No, we don't. So the bottom line is the, the current forms of renewable energy are at best a carbon fuel extender. But we need to look at a lot of aspects of what we've done to the planet. Green energy is not a solution. It is simply a distraction at this point. But we are definitely in trouble. The, the degree to which the planet's been damaged, climate engineering being core to that, can't be overstated. We're losing the ozone layer. That by itself is a near-term existential threat. Uh, we, we have to face this issue. If we can fix this, we can address other issues and assess them. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to just say tonight, uh, Z Media at 6 p.m. Uh, AEDT time. I'm not sure what time that is in the United States, but it'll be up on Band Up Video tomorrow anyway. We've got an interview being released uh, on uh, with Professor Ian Plymer. He's an Australian geologist, emeritus professor at a Melbourne university, uh, and he just he he just debunks the whole green agenda in this interview. He's a fantastic fantastic man, uh, and we talk about all the things you're talking about the the batteries, uh, the disposal of these batteries. Where do we dispose of them? How detrimental is that to the environment? I mean. It's it's just it just makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, but I think it's really important, as you said, to link the two together because we can go and talk about the green agenda as much as we want. But in order to get an accurate assessment of where we're actually at as far as the planet goes, uh, we need to stop engineering the weather. We need to stop engineering the climate. So uh, this is so so crucial, Dane. I want to ask you finally, just really quickly. Um, you mentioned Marburg, the possibility of Marburg and hemorrhagic fevers being released at the very start of this broadcast, uh, I've heard that the, there are plans, I've seen the patents, there's already uh, vaccines available for Marburg. Uh, and, you know, the WHO declared an emergency in this part of the world, that part of the world. CDC has issued a Marburg alert, um, I think it was last month, if I'm not mistaken. So this, this, is, this is something that seems to be emerging. Uh, what makes you think that they might release that through the skies, though? Why, Why specifically Marburg or hemorrhagic fever? It strikes fear into the vast majority, as it should. You have a mortality rate with some of these elements of up to 90%. So at, at that point, uh, people are truly going to be in a panic. And I, under any scenario, we are about to hit the wall, period. It, again, metaphorically, human race is like the occupants of a car going 90 miles an hour, we're 10 feet from impact into a concrete wall. You can put the brakes on as hard as you want. We're going to hit. The question is now, will anyone survive the impact? If we have any chance of salvaging anything, we have to stop what's happening in our skies because if we don't, the planet's life support systems will soon be completely dysfunctional. All other causes and concerns at that point become moot. And in between now and that point, we're all inhaling incredibly toxic particles that we know of, and there's likely many more that we don't know of. So again, bottom line is this is a fight for life, Maria, nothing less. Dane, let people know where they can follow your work. So obviously we have geoengineeringwatch.org, whole library. Where else can people find you? That is the best place to find us. They can contact us at admin at geoengineeringwatch.org. And our only goal, we're non-political, we don't advertise. Our only goal is to stop this issue while there's anything left to salvage. 
People can share links from our site for free. Our documentary, we made a great effort and expense, is free. It was free from day one when it was done. People should not underestimate the power they have in this equation to make a difference, to start spot fires of awareness by taking a link like to the dimming, sending it to meteorologists, uh, elected officials, climate scientists, those that are pretending this isn't going on in our skies when the vast majority know it is. But all of us need to bring this to a critical mass of awareness. If we can do that, Maria, we'll cause a shockwave around the globe. We could yet alter this equation in the right direction. Absolutely agree with you, Dane. The the key is awareness. The key is to keep talking about this and provide people with the solid facts and the evidence. And if you do that and they still decide to say, no, this isn't real. I mean, I've I've done that. Yeah, I've provided someone with the Rainmaking Act from uh, the Victor state of Victoria here in Australia, and they've said that's not real. And I said, it's literally the legislation, guys. <laughs> this is government legislation. What do you mean it's not real? That doesn't happen. <laughs> okay, they just have the legislation for nothing. They, well, why would you need it? Um, but, you know, I, I think that not everyone is that ignorant, uh, willfully ignorant. And, you and, and you know, we, we do have a chance to, to wake up the masses. So I'm so grateful for your work, Dane. Again, geoengineeringwatch.org. Dane, God bless you. I'll talk to you very, very soon. Same to you, Maria, and my deepest gratitude to you and to InfoWars for your, for your help with sounding the alarm, all the work you do. Thank you. Thanks, Dane. You know. All righty, and that's uh, Dane Wigington of uh, geoengineeringwatch.org. Check his site out. He's got all kinds of stuff. All his videos are free. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be downloading them all and having them uh, on, archived on my computer for just in case, because uh, his site is probably one that eventually will be attacked and hacked and shut down. So uh, the more people that download his stuff and have uh, uh, archival copies, the better off things will be. And the less chance they have of stifling the information, which is all part of what um, the people running the show want to do. So definitely, if you have that uh, ability, Take advantage of it, but it's geoengineeringwatch.org. All righty then. Um, going right along with that video is this Greg Reese report that uh, he put out a couple of days ago that basically talks somewhat about the uh, same topic as well as the um, move to get rid of uh, good, clean food sources uh, by none other than Joe O'Biden's uh, climate czar, John Kerry. And if this guy doesn't look like a demon or a redone lurch or a Frankenstein's monster, I don't know who does. This perturbed drives or flies all over the world in his private jet, creating more carbon footprint than any thousand people do in their lifetime. <laughs> And this bozo's acting like he's uh, something special. But listen to what uh, uh, Greg Reese has dug up. Here we go. In his usual lying hysteria, John Kerry, who serves as the first U.S. special presidential envoy for climate, told a series of lies and announced that our government is planning to shut down U.S. agriculture. They call it innovation because they are confident that our pain and desperation will someday give birth to an innovative new solution. Or at least that's their cover story. Emissions from the food system alone 
are projected to cause another half a degree of warming by mid-century on the current course that we are today. And instead of being on a course to be able to hold the Earth's temperature increase to 1.5 degrees, we're actually on a course to hit around three degrees right now. And you just can't continue to both warm the planet while also expecting to feed it. Doesn't work. And as is so often the case with respect to the climate crisis, we have to fight on multiple fronts simultaneously. This is the biggest organizational effort that I think we have faced, uh, certainly since World War II, but perhaps ever. So we have to reduce emissions from the food system to keep the 1.5 degrees alive. Why do we have to keep 1.5 degrees alive? Because scientists, as a basis of physics and mathematics, not ideology and politics or party labels or anything else, as a matter of physics and mathematics and some biology and chemistry have told us, these are the consequences. Everything out of his mouth is a lie. The exact opposite of what he says is true. The scientists he is referring to are almost all on the United Nations payroll. The real scientific community of the world realize that the world's climate has changed in extreme erratic ways over the years without human pollution. In one of the most recent studies, our house university researchers found that the Arctic had ice-free summers just 10,000 years ago. And ice core samples show that the Earth is in a cooling period, not a warming one. But these decrepit old gatekeepers want us all dead because the system isn't giving up control. And I think uh, to those in civil society, we gotta push more. We gotta be more militant, maybe. President Biden has demanded an all-of-government initiative. Uh, we are all working together. Every department of our government is uh, engrossed in this. And uh, if we make the right choices, there's no question in my mind we can win this battle. While our food supply is under terrorist attack by our own government, the power grid is being targeted for a false flag and a story is already being spun to blame it on American patriots. Meanwhile, the communist Chinese are meeting their bogus climate change quotas in a different way. They are spray painting rocks and sand green, and they are planting vast fields of fake flowers made of white rocks stuck on the ends of steel rebar. According to local translators, this is being done to make areas look more green in aerial photography. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. I think I'm going to do that. I'm just going to stick a bunch of white rocks on some rebar in my backyard and spray paint all these uh, piles of horse manure that I've got and turn them green and Everything else will just make the whole place look better just for the fun of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gotta love it. And, uh, oh, there we go. I just had um, uh, Mark the Spark. Or not Mark the Spark. Mark. <laughs> That's a different guy. Anyway, uh, got a link from uh, Mark in uh, covering... Uh, 
Minivan Jack, uh, who I, I really love his work. He puts out everything so clean and straightforward. And he's got a um, uh, short video, which is good because most of the ones I've seen have been very long and technical. And uh, knowing uh, Minivan Jack, he probably did his very short, sweet, to the point, and easily to under easy to understand. So we're going to shift gears here real quick and uh, play Minivan Jack's The Kafer Swindle, the biggest game in town. And if you've never heard of The Kafer, it's a comprehensive annual financial report. This is something that every government agency from the dog catcher in your local county uh, all the way up, you know, local school boards, state governments, federal governments, they all have to have these things by law. And they all have boatloads of money that are not shown on the regular budgets so that they can push for tax levies and that kind of junk when they're sit floating in cash as it is. Uh, years ago, I think it was 2011, um, I looked at the one for the state of Ohio and they were claiming that they were all kinds of short money and all kinds of stuff and they need to pass laws for taxes and all that kind of junk. And when I looked at the CAFER, uh, just adding things up from different accounts, they had over a billion dollars, which was a fair amount of money in 2011, uh, as their so-called rainy day fund. So it's just one case that shows that uh, they're lying to us again. But um, let me set this up for live stream here. Um, gonna move this out of the way. Oh, yeah, what I got to do here is put this separate. There we go forgot that I clicked on it from the same browser that I run the Jitsi screen on. <laughs> Makes it kind of hard to function that way. There we go. So, without any further ado, here's the Kafer Swindle, the biggest game in town by Minivan Jack. Oh, by the way, here's the uh, short um, description on it. Taxes are no longer necessary. This video exposes a deliberate and massive swindle that is perpetrated by every government agency from your local school district all the way up to the federal government. This is the second version of um, this is the second version of this expose on public finance, similar to the first version, but incorporating input from Walter Burian, and he's the first person I ever heard of, uh, about the CAFER from, and Clint Richardson, who's another researcher that have, hits it heavy, uh, for their sites and for more information. And I'll put the link in the chat rooms. So if you are so inclined, you can grab them there. But here we go with the K for Swindle. Oh, sorry about that. How they do it can tell you anyone who has ever approached a government agency just to see what they do and how they do it can tell you they didn't get very far. Government seems to be at least as secret as any corporation, if not more so. This government secrecy goes back well before terrorism was a general concern. Our public agencies are not so public when it comes to disclosing their own conduct, their finances, their inside operations, and their productivity. Well, it turns out, just like many people and organizations that like to be secret, they do have something to hide. It's called the CAFR. The CAFR is the name for the financial accounts of any public agency. It stands for Comprehensive Annual Financial Report. And it is standard to all government agencies. Your courthouses have them, school districts have them, city, county, and state governments all have CAFRs. 
But up until recently, hardly anyone except government insiders have even heard of the CAFR. The hard numbers are in the CAFR. This is true reporting of all accounts, flows, and holdings. When media reports anything about public finance, this is what they should be talking about. But you may have noticed they only seem to talk about this thing called the budget. The budget is something very different. For government, the budget is not so much an accounting tool as a propaganda hallucination. A budget is a projection, a goal, a target. In accounting terms, the budget is referred to as inferior to the CAFR accounts. Suppose your county has a gazillion dollars in the CAFR, but they tell you they have no budget for dog catcher. Well, that's okay. That may be exactly right. They have a bunch of money, but they have budgeted nothing for dog catcher. This community has decided that stray dogs are not a problem, so fine. That has nothing to do with any shortage of funds. It's just a budget decision. They might tell you that they don't have the money for the dog catcher, but that would be just to appease the small minority who have lost their dogs. Now say they budget a million dollars for mosquito abatement. Now they've decided to go into those CAFR accounts and set aside a million bucks. The media tells us the county budgeted a million for mosquito abatement, but they don't tell us, they don't mention the gazillion dollars remaining in the CAFR accounts from which they are dispensing the million dollars. We sit here and believe that when they spend that million, there will be nothing left. They have us thinking that the budget is all there is. While we are duped into thinking government is broke, they are sitting on, in this case, nearly a gazillion dollars in many special off-budget accounts, and you don't see that unless you look at the CAFR. So now what happens if mosquito abatement goes over budget and costs $2 million? Well, since you and I don't know about the CAFR and that gazillion sitting in the accounts, the nightly news comes crying to us, telling us the county has gone over budget, run out of money, and they need to raise taxes or borrow to pay the extra million for the mosquito abatement. Remember, your media does not audit the CAFR. They just say whatever government says. So here's a real-world example of CAFR magic. In 2007, the county of Los Angeles had an operating budget of $17.5 billion. In 2007 was the beginning of a protracted recession. Government was constantly complaining about budget shortfalls, austerity, belt tightening, robbing Peter to pay Paul, and the necessity to raise taxes and extend the public debt. You would expect L.A. County's budgets over the next few years to be flat or to go down. In the five years between 2007 and 2012, L.A. County raised its operating budget from $17.5 billion to $25.8 billion. They're projected to spend 47% more in 2012 than 2007. In the middle of a recession, where did that money come from? Yes, they borrowed. Yes, they raised taxes, but not that much. They moved money around in the CAFR, and presto, they came up with $8 billion more per year out of thin air. From a money-skimming and laundering standpoint, the old organized crime families from the past would be green with envy at the size and scope of this operation. Compared to government, the private criminal class looks like a bunch of kids selling lemonade on the street corner. 
Of course, the government would arrest you if you did what they do, but, you know, they don't like the competition. So this business of borrowing and raising taxes makes no sense at all once we know about what those special funds are hiding in the CAFR. By not telling us about the CAFR, they can send the tax man to come and squeeze us for the extra million for the mosquito abatement. It's a big lie. They know it's a big lie, but it has worked 10,000 times in the past. If they can pretend to be broke and we will believe them, then why shouldn't they go ahead and rob us? They're so good at it by now, they deliberately underfund almost everything to make the budget look tight. And the media never questions the real finances. And they regularly come to us with their handout for unexpected cost overruns. How many times have we heard that? By now, when we hear them say unexpected, we should say, well, I'm expecting it. Why aren't you? In the private sector, bad planning causes embarrassing disasters. In government, bad planning is a tactic for raising revenue. So a naive and idealistic taxpayer would expect that all the money in the CAFR would be budgeted for some government program. Well, that would be silly. Why should they do that? You and I have no idea what's in the CAFR. They can let that money sit there and languish, and we will never know the difference. Our media and our schools have dumbed us down on all things finance, and government likes it that way by diverting our attention away to the petty and irrelevant issues. Our media, our schools, and our politicians create an intentional void and vacuum in the public mind. So we're thinking about anything except where the real money goes. If this sounds like I'm talking about a big plot to steal and misappropriate most of our public funds, I am. As soon as the revenues come in the door your government finance bureaucratic whiz kids skim off large chunks into secret funds and they keep that money off budget and hidden so they can invest it, compound it, reinvest it, and keep all those piles of cash in-house. Now, why would they want to do that? Of course, when a politician puts away big fat piles of money, he can use those millions or billions to back his buddies with investment capital. He can make his buddies rich or make new buddies by making them rich. And you know how that works. If I make you rich, I think some kind of kickback would be in order. Another reason for our officials and bureaucrats to pack away money is to protect their job security. When government agencies start running out of money, they start firing people. So every bureaucrat, every official, every agency has a major incentive to pack away as much secret money as possible and keep it in a nice, handy, liquid account. And this has been going on for a very long time. Government's income from just investments is now twice as much as revenue from taxes. Many people find that hard to believe. Let me say that again. Government revenue from investments is twice as much as revenue from taxes. Are you protecting We could your stop prop- paying taxes tomorrow and government would still have twice as much wealth and revenue than it needs to operate as it does today. And that secret stash grows bigger every day. Government is no longer a tax and spend operation. It is a tax and keep operation. Government revenues are constantly flowing into secret off-budget special funds, never to be seen again by the public. 
They are brilliant in coming up with names for these accounts that sound important and reasonable. There are rainy day funds, emergency funds, backup funds, set-aside funds, pension funds, discretionary funds. These are all just ways of saying, I am taking your money and I am not giving you anything in return. None of that money directly pays for any benefits, programs, or services for you and I. So we have to stop being fooled by this nonsense about this other thing called the budget. If you put aside a household budget of $400, you're going to spend $400 a month for your groceries. And then one month, you need $450. Do you go and rob a gas station? No, you take $50 out of your bank account. Governments have bank accounts, and they have investment accounts, just like we do, but they keep that a secret. And to see that secret, you have to look in the CAFR. So when the media and our public officials start talking about having a budget crisis, really, what we should, we should just laugh and say, so what? Change the budget. Don't bother me. Show me the CAFR. Let's get an independent audit of that CAFR. If they're going to pretend they don't have any money, I guess we have to point it out to them. So we need to stop talking about the budgets and start looking very closely at the CAFRs. Media needs to break its silence to this. The political parties need to get this into their platforms. Politicians need to stop playing stupid and treating us like children. We need to audit those CAFRs, every single one of them, and we need to demand that those funds be used to eliminate the crippling taxes that are accomplishing little more than creating those secret accounts. So where do they park that money? Government owns majority stakes in companies like Microsoft, Time Warner, Disney, and Exxon. Government owns over 70% of all the primary blue chip major U.S. corporations through investment in U.S. stock markets. You heard me right. 70% of the stocks of most of the big name major corporations in domestic and foreign stock market exchanges. So what is good for GM may not be good for you, but it certainly is good for that for-profit investor called government. So as a small investor, how do you compete with one large single investor that has swallowed 70% of the investment market? The wealth that you and I should be making by investing in the stock market has been taken in taxes and is being made by government with your money. And the government is not sharing that wealth back with you. Government is not serving you. It is eating your lunch. Since government gets rich along with corporations now, it's no longer particularly interested in passing any real onerous regulations for public benefit. Government now passes laws and international trade policies that enrich corporations in which government is invested and from which it profits. In the interest of profits, government has created some very bad foreign policy, like invading and making war in places where our corporations covet the resources, or by permitting American corporations to hire dirt-cheap foreign labor, or by opening trade with countries that have next to no human rights and environmental protections. Make money here, pollute over there. Government is now the profiteer. It is the exploiter. Government uses all its power, force, and lawmaking authority to make corporations wealthy, because that makes government wealthy. So among the many crimes here, government blew open the doors on global trade, exploitation, and plunder. 
the side effect of that global plunder is the destruction of America's domestic wealth, prosperity, and sovereignty. By forcing American workers to compete with cheap Asian labor, this two-headed monster of corporations and government on a global rampage is bringing the American standard of living down to something like the Chinese bicycle riding classes. Suddenly, a little protectionism doesn't sound too bad. Every dollar that sits in the backroom ledgers of the CAFR and goes into foreign investments is capital that in America creates no jobs, improves no standard of living, relieves no tax burdens, provides no government services or programs, and only serves to enrich and empower government insiders and financial elites. If the CAFR fraud is not fixed, America has no future. Here are some links where you can find out more. The most important thing is that we must move forward on independent audits of our local and state agencies' CAFRs, and we must return that money to the taxpayers or redirect the wealth to the public benefit. Send messages to your media and your representatives that you don't care about the budget and you want to see the real accounts. You want to know what is in the CAFR. More than 10 years ago, Walter Burian discovered the CAFR fraud and has worked to organize a national movement to perform audits and redirect all this public wealth back to the public benefit. Burian believes that by opening up the CAFRs, taxes could simply be retired altogether. Find out more at his website at CAFR1.com. Clint Richardson is also an expert in the CAFR issue and has posted useful information and videos. Find him at thecorporationnation.com and realityblogger.wordpress.com. Note that the blogger has one G. We need to get the word out on this, and we need to tell our public officials that the CAFR money is ours, not theirs. Great information. I really like Jerry Day, who is uh, also known as Minivan Jack, and uh, his website is freedomtaker.com, which I've also put in the chat room. And um, I uh, go there once in a while, not as often as I should. And I just checked there a few minutes ago and uh, saw another uh, thing that I really, really like. And that's the no trespassing sign. And it just so happens that I've had one of those signs uh, posted at the end of my driveway on a regulation um, city uh, street sign pole. Uh, for the better part of the last uh, at least 20 years. I put it up in the 1990s, so it's been longer than that. And the funny thing is, I used to sell these at gun shows years ago, along with other things, books, tapes, uh, Alex Jones videos and stuff, and um, sold a lot of these things. And it's the same company, uh, AdWrite in Michigan, um, who I ordered mine from. The price has gone up considerably. I used to sell them for $20 uh, I bought them for 16 and sold them for 20, um, at the gun shows <laughs> and now they're 26 a piece. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's all things considered, not that bad, uh, considering the way the economy's gone, but this, uh, this no trespassing sign isn't just a standard run of the mill, no trespassing sign that keeps, uh, individuals off your property. This is one that's designed to keep the government off your property. 
And um, there's a uh, short, it's only two minutes and 22 seconds video by Jerry Day, Minnie Van Jack, talking about this very uh, sign. And uh, I'm going to read the notes. Um, he just put this video up uh, May 2nd of this year. So it's only been up for not even a month yet. No private property should be without this turbocharged no trespassing sign. Order them at freedomtaker.com. Support this channel. And uh, so here's the video. Whoops, let me uh, set up the uh, play. Come on, I gotta get that. Uh, doo -doo -doo. There we go. All righty. Here's Jerry Day talking about the no trespassing sign. Are you protecting your property? Are you safe there? You may have noticed the economy is down. Crime is up, and with government going broke, we're starting to see any number of revenue collectors, inspectors, and agents wandering our neighborhoods looking for plunder and telling us how they think we should use our property. Freedomtaker.com is proud to announce a new sponsor, one we pursued because we love this. This is a no trespassing sign, and it's a legal powerhouse to put at the entrance of your property. This sign specifically addresses government agents who, by the way, cannot lawfully pass by this sign and your locked gate without a court order or a major emergency. They may come and try to cause some nuisance, but if you have this sign posted, you are in line for a $5,000 land use fee from anyone entering your property uninvited. I suggest getting a photo of them on your property for your evidence. I had this sign posted when two brazen government inspectors entered my property unannounced, uninvited, and when I was not there, but they left a document behind with their signatures. I sent them an invoice for $10,000 and they have not bothered me since, and I had the right to take legal action and get a court order to collect that land use fee because of this sign. Don't expect government agents to pay their obligations without a fight. So why is this sign so powerful? Because it cites the federal codes right on it that protect your rights and your property, and it gives notice of a $5,000 land use fee for unauthorized entry. So the authority is there, the legal remedy is there, and that public notice is the device you need to show in a legal action if people are wandering onto your property. The government busybodies know that the federal codes cited on this sign are real and apply to them. Bolt holes are pre-drilled, and it's made with aluminum and tough weatherproof materials. So this sign is good for many years of peace of mind and legal protection for your property. At freedomtaker.com, we have a link to the webpage to see current pricing and to order these signs. Just click on the no trespassing sign at freedomtaker.com. There you have it. And I can attest to um, the fact that that is uh, an accurate representation because I have had, like I said, that I've had that very sign at the end of my driveway for over 20 years. And it looks just as good today as the day I put it up. This is made by a company that makes actual street signs. And that's what this is. It's this regulation street sign sized uh, sign made out of aluminum with reflective uh, lettering and all that. Um, very, very well made. Like I said, mine's held up for over 20 years, and there's no signs that it's going to go anywhere soon. Um, I would recommend a good solid uh, post to mount it on. Like I said, mine is an actual uh, post like they use, the street departments use to put up other signs, uh, traffic signs. And um, 
it has, you know, it's leaning over a little bit over the years because <laughs> I didn't have a good um, uh, post driver to sink it far enough down, but um, it's still doing the job. And uh, I've actually seen police cars from miles outside their jurisdiction slowly driving by the end of my driveway looking at that sign. And I've had uh, government people, I had a census worker show up one day um, years and years ago uh, right on my front porch. And mind you, the, my driveway has at the time had absolutely no vegetation um uh, at least by that sign. That sign is off all by itself, right at the end of the driveway, uh, in clear view, and clearly says no trespassing, and has all the information, like they said, um, warning everybody, including members of local zoning boards. And uh, this person showed up on my doorstep 150 feet inside my property, uh, having gone, driven her car right past that sign. And she wanted to ask me all those questions on the standard, uh, whatever was the standard census form way back when. And I said, uh, did you see that sign at the end of the driveway? And of course, she said, what sign? I said, well, the only thing at the end of the driveway down there, I said, I suggest you go check it out and don't come back here unless you have cash. I said, by the way, two people live in this house. That's all you need to know. And she got in her car, back down the end of the driveway, looked at that sign, backed out, drove off, and I never heard another word from her. <laughs> and I've had a few other incidents like that in uh, from you know time to time, but very very seldom do I see anybody here. And um, you know he's right. You know if if they show up, if you have evidence that they were on your property, send them a bill. And the one thing he didn't mention is the small claims court. That's another fun thing. Uh, depending on the uh, rules in your area, uh, you may have uh, an option to go after these people in small claims court through the affidavit process. You produce a sworn affidavit giving the facts of the situation, file it with the court, and you will win. And then you have an enforceable court order that you can get collection agencies or anybody else to go after these people and in the event that you can't get um, your money, then you discharge the debt and send them a 1099 and send a copy to the IRS. Any discharged debt becomes a taxable situation. <laughs> and then the IRS will be hounding the federal workers. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? So you can have a lot of fun with these things, but um, I actually... Uh, one of the members of the local zoning board lives behind me. His driveway goes down alongside my property. My property is 1,230 feet deep, and his lot sits behind mine, and he drives right down that thing, and one day he saw that sign, and he came over and started saying, does this mean I can't come over and visit? I said, you can visit all you want, but don't talk to me about zoning rules. And the zoning inspector was always driving down his driveway to um, – drop off paperwork and stuff like that and i have a uh, 20 by 24 foot corrugated steel building like a quonset hut uh, that i built on my property back in 1999 didn't pull one permit for it or anything and um, i'm sure 
that he told that inspector, don't even mess with that dude. <laughs> because, you know, the inspector, I'm sure, would you know, because this county is the fastest growing county in our state. And uh, they push zoning big time. But uh, not having pulled any permits to either pour concrete, to build the building, to run electricity to it, all the different things that I've done that they uh, that I didn't have any permits for. And uh, same thing for my barn. Uh, and it's just uh, amazing what these things can do. So anyway, um, I hear Mark clearing his throat, so I'm assuming he's got something he wants to say. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> well, isn't Vinny Van Jack just the special, special love? Uh, I'll yeah. tell you what, I love that guy. I've been following him for years, and uh, I just don't check his site often enough. <laughs> and he's got a lot of good stuff on there now, um, new things. He's constantly updating, and I just don't get there often enough. i got to make it a point to go back and check that more often because he's you know, great. Uh, Sarge, I was listening to, to a local talk radio this morning, and they started getting into the debt and all that, you know. And, you know, every caller... You know, it was like, well, you know, uh, we got this debt. We'll never be able to pay it back and, yeah. you know, and all this and that. But nobody ever mentions the Kaffir. Nope. Nobody knows about it for the most part. And uh, I think it would be awful fun to uh, blindside him, go before Congress. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm here to talk about the, the budget increase and the debt ceiling. And I'd like to... Uh, talk to you about the comprehensive annual financial report for the United States and so just watch their faces lose all color. <laughs> oh, we'll have to go into executive session for that. <laughs> all the video, all the non meeting people, everybody who's not elected, get out. <laughs> That's what would happen. They would freak yeah, out. They, they've been, uh, they've been running this scam for, uh, God, I don't know. How long, Ever. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, according to Minnie Van Jack, they've got uh, quite a bit stashed away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, when uh, when I looked at uh, Ohio's uh, in back in, I think it was 2011, uh, and I just went to the website and did a search for comprehensive annual financial report and downloaded it. Quite a lengthy document, as you might guess, for a state. And um, I just went through and looked at some of the, the bottom lines and added them up. And there was over a billion dollars uh, just in the short time. I didn't go through the whole thing, but just in a short time, I found a billion dollars that they had uh, when they were trying to you know raise taxes and all kinds of other junk. And back then, a billion dollars uh, was a whole lot more than it is now. And uh, you know, it, was, it was pretty wild. And you notice, too, how they always try to keep pushing the same story, mm -hmm. you know, the, the deficits, you know, oh, we're in debt, we'll never be able to pay it back, you know. Oh, yeah. All this and that. And, and it, they, they just, they hammer it in mm -hmm. so that, you know, everybody and their brother believes it. You know, I'm, I'm half tempted the next time uh, my local school board tries to do a tax levy to pull their CAFER and then uh, go to one of their board meetings and say, uh, I think I understand you, you're short on money. Oh, yeah, we're just really needing money. We don't have room. Because they're always, you know, one of their big things is we're going to cut things. You know, we're going to get rid of uh, football or we're going to have you're going to have to pay extra fees. And I'll tell you what, the fees that people have to pay, of course, you know, the, if you got your kids in public schools you deserve to pay every freaking fee they come up with because you're an idiot uh 
<laughs> you know, get those kids out of public schools. So they're not groomed for all the transgender, gay, LGBTQ, WXYZ, square root of three crap that they're pushing, everything else. Uh, get your kids out of public schools and do it yourself. But, um, you know, if that's the thing is because, you know, in Ohio, they're still it's it's tied to your property taxes. And then on top of that, they also have a school income tax, which I don't pay. And once my uh, house is paid off, I won't be paying property taxes either. And uh, but the thing is, is they're they're suckering all these people. And you go in there and drop the, the kafer in their laps in a public meeting, and that would be rather fun. And uh, Oh, yeah. You talk about uh, a thing, running for local school board. I'm going to put make sure that the uh, kafer is out there so people know the truth, and you won't have to worry about tax increases on your property anymore to pay for schools. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, they'd probably kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, you know, the federal government every it's every year now. I guess it's going to be two years because of this deal. Mm -hmm. But you know, and of course, you know how they always oh, it's a deal. We had to make a deal. Oh, of course <laughs> yeah. they did. And, yeah. then, and then and then it's like you know they all, it's always the budget. It's the budget. It's the budget. Yep. You know, and 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 it's like yeah, but but that's not the the true picture here. No. You know, you know it's just one little thing. Yeah. It, it, you know, and let's look at the overall picture, the, the thirty-five thousand know, square foot view. <laughs> yeah, it's just a projection. Open the books, and, and and yet they'll sit here and go, "Well, we had a shortfall. We had a shortfall." Yeah, and right. It's like, uh, no, 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 no. You know, you guys have plenty of money in there. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, yeah. it's that's just one of the things. I mean, there are so many things that we're getting screwed over, and that's what my Thursday afternoon shows are all about. So I encourage people if you're if you're worried about what's going on in government, and you want to know the truth about uh, the Constitution. Everybody thinks, oh, that's a God-inspired document. Bull crap. God of this <laughs> world, maybe. Satan-inspired document, but God had nothing to do with the U.S. Constitution. I guarantee. Yeah. Wasn't that Sarge of by and four lawyers? I mean, basically, pretty much. Well, yeah. you know, everybody says it's God-inspired, but it right in it it says there'll be no religious test for anybody. So why would God not be mentioned even once in the document if it was inspired by God? Not only was he not mentioned, he was Mike, totally uh, left out on purpose. The two clauses that Mike brought up, um, necessary and proper, and, mm -hmm. uh, and what was the other one? The supreme uh, law of the land. Yep. Both of those, I mean, aren't those the two that, that give them carte blanche? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 basically gives them unlimited taxing authority to tax virtually everything and anything to any limit they want. And the Supremacy Clause making the, the Constitution the supreme law of the land, they're using that now. It just happened, I think, in Missouri or somewhere, uh, <coughs> one of the M states, um, where I'm trying to remember what, oh, I know what it was. They were... Um, they passed a uh, Second Amendment Protection Act oh, yeah. where they were keeping feds out of uh, the uh, the states. You know, they wouldn't allow them to enforce federal gun laws and like these new bump stock things and the, the pistol braces and all that kind of junk. And uh, a local or a federal prosecutor filed suit against the state, took it to a, a, a one of the districts that's known to be very, very liberal and got a ruling saying that the supremacy clause of the Constitution overrides anything the state wants to do about federal law. 
and um, they're going to use that every place they can. And mm-hmm. it's 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 sickening. And until started, the people stand up on their own that. hind legs and say no, uh, that's what it's going to yeah. take. I started looking at the Constitution uh, almost like like they use it as a cover document. Mm-hmm. You know, now you know it, I, that may be the wrong way to, to look at it, but I just I started looking at it and going, you know, it, it just seems to me that you know they they're, they throw it out there like, see, we you have rights, you know, and right? Yeah, and, hmm. and it's like you don't. <laughs> you know? Exactly. There's but, no they enforcement. Use it, they use it like like a shield. Like, see, we're you know we're following the Constitution. You know, mm-hmm. and all you know this. It, it gets me when you have like the Second Amendment. Of course, everybody jumps up and down about that. I've got my Second Amendment rights. Oh, really? How come <laughs> if that's you know it's the one the one uh, elusive uh, 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 documented right supposedly that shall not be infringed. I mean, has those words shall not be infringed, those four little words. And we've got over 20,000 gun laws in this country and every single one of them is unconstitutional. Yeah. How do we have all those? And how is it that you have to ask permission in most States to carry a gun when you have a documented right there, right in the second amendment, (laughs) <laughs> the right is to that, the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. What part of that don't a, you understand? Is there, court, is there a court case on that? Um, where, where somebody took took that particular view to court? Well, the problem is, is most people are slaves, so they don't have any standing. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. That's why when you go into court and you talk about the Constitution, then the judge says, don't even bring that document up in this courtroom. Mm-hmm. They can't because they're in a court that's administrative in nature, and they're a slave. They're a su- citizen subject. That's why I get yeah. a kick every time I hear these people talking about sovereign citizens. I'm a yeah. sovereign citizen. You're an <laughs> yeah. idiot. They're yeah, exactly. You know those two terms are diametrically opposed. You're either sovereign or you're citizen. You cannot be both. And that's what gets me when you hear all these people talking. Oh, I've got sovereign citizen. I'm a, I've got rights. No, you don't. You're a moron. You have no clue. You have given up all your rights through unconscionable contracts and birth certificates and everything else that's been done over the years. And until you correct your status, which can be done with a single page affidavit sent to the U.S. Secretary of State, which I did eight years ago, um, until you do that, you've got no standing. But the thing yeah. is, when you, you drop that uh, document into the, uh, the record and it bypasses all rules because it's accepted by the Secretary of State, who, according to Supreme Court uh, records, the Secretary of State of the United States is the sole arbiter of citizenship issues in America. So once right. you have filed that document and it's been uh, filed because they don't have a choice whether to accept it or not. In order to turn it down, they would have to refute the document, which they by a sworn affidavit, which they can't do. So mm-hmm. once it's filed with them, it's it's on record, and your status is now changed from a from a slave to a real American with access to the constitutionally guaranteed rights. Then you drop that puppy into a court locally, and they got to sit up and take notice, and things change. Do you think that uh, some people, though, like, uh, well, you know, Sarge, we have a lot of people now that are, are, you know, affiliated somehow with government employment, right? Oh, yeah. And do you think that those people feel would feel guilty 
trying to claim that status because they're living off tax dollars. <laughs> well, most people that work for the government don't have much of a, you know, conscience anyway, from what I've seen. There are a few, you know, like, you know, some of these FBI whistleblowers that are coming out, but I'm thinking some of that's been false flagged too. Um, there might be a few, but the vast majority are just generally dumb. You know, the thing is government employees for 99.999% come from the same imperfect society the rest of us came from. They were public right. school educated, which means they weren't educated. They were indoctrinated. They were programmed to be good little worker bees and do as they're told, not to think on their own. And when you get those kind of people, there's no telling what's going to happen. You know, I was one of those people for a long time. You know, I was public school educated, went to work for a local law enforcement agency. And until I really started sitting, you know, sitting up and uh, doing some research, um, I was violating people's rights left and right. And then I actually read the Constitution, the document that we swear uh, to uphold, protect and defend. And uh, things changed. And then I started saying, well, this uh, this general order that the department has is flies in the face of the Constitution, so I'm not going to enforce it. This statute, this ordinance is unconstitutional, so I'm not going to enforce it. <laughs> and next wow. thing you know, I've got uh, administrators jumping down my neck trying to write me up <laughs> for insubordination because <laughs> right. I'm not following their rules. And I said, well, when you get rules that uh, comply with the Constitution, the supreme law of the land, then I'll do what you say. Until then, go pound sand. <laughs> the, the, the scarecrow got a brain. <laughs> I actually I actually had a, a guy that was working for me. He was going through a divorce and was very stressed out. Um, went to the county um, psychological, whatever you want to call it, and... Um, they recommended he take some, you know, a couple of weeks off and that kind of stuff. So he went back to the department, uh, turned in his badge and gun, told him what they had, you know, what's going on and what they did and all that. And he was living with me at the time because they were separated and he needed a place to shack up. Yeah. So he gave me his personally owned. He had a couple of handguns. He gave me, he said, lock these up. I don't want anything. I don't want to be able to have anything to do with them. And I said, I've got the only key. They're locked in a steel box. Nobody can get access to them. And I go into work the next day, and here's the lieutenant saying, by midnight tonight when you come back on duty, I want you to turn in his personally owned guns. And I said, oh. put, that in or- uh, put that order in writing for me. And I went in at midnight, and lo and behold, he put in a, a written order saying, you know, turn in his uh, personally owned firearms by 8 a.m. the next day, or you'll be charged with insubordination. Wow. And I gave him a one-answer response. No. (laughs) And, of course, he tried to have me fired. I filed a grievance, broke it off in his backside. I said, you have every right to require the the department's firearms, you know, the department property, but you have no right to his personally owned firearms that he has a right to own and possess. He has personally taken it on, on himself to get them out of his hands into mine where I have complete and total control I assure you that no one has access to them but me because I have the only key to the lock and I'm the only one um, who has access to it. And uh, I assured him, I said, they're they're safe and he can't get to them. And um, he, he didn't care. So basically they pushed wow. it, the chief approved it, and then I got it outside the city to the city uh the safety director and the mayor and they went they sided with me because they didn't they weren't idiots 
And um, it's just one of a boatload of grievances over the years I had to file and win uh, but, because um, they were screwing these with grievances, me. Sarge, uh, mm-hmm. would you, I mean, for me, this just sounds like, you know, it, it falls in line with everything else we're seeing today. It's, it's tyranny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing in, in law enforcement, you know, the people that really excel on the streets, they go out and they hassle the public and they're the go-getters. They're the ones that usually get promoted. The thing is, once those go-getters get promoted, they don't have the public to screw with anymore. So what do they do? They screw with the troops. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, we I put up with that for 14 out of 16 years. When I retired, I had two books, eight and a half by 11, about two and a half, three inches thick each of grievances that I'd had to file over the years because I was being harassed by the supervisory staff. And I won them all. And I presented that to the pension board when I retired. And I'm the only person who ever retired on a, a disability pension um, in Franklin County, which is uh, the you know where Columbus is at. You know, the yeah. Guy, yeah, I've been down there. You know, and uh, basically I'm the only one who's ever gotten the full amount available, which is 60% tax-free, wow. uh, without having to go back and appeal that wasn't either had bullet holes or missing body parts. They saw that documentation that I had accumulated over the years, and they said, this guy's out of here, and he's getting maxed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and well, it was that same lieutenant that told me when I, when I first got hired on, he says, document everything. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know, the word's getting out, though, little by little. You know, I heard Roger uh, hosting uh, John B. Wells' show uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, even people like John B. Wells are starting to, you know, kind of uh, perk their ears up to this stuff. Yeah, they're slowly but surely learning. And the thing that scares me is there are Roger Sales has the best program I've ever seen when it comes to uh, correcting your status and your political status. And his his program is fantastic. It's a one page affidavit, easy to file. And there are people out there that are clueless. Uh, one is the uh, Anna Von Wrights, or Anna Von Ditz, as we refer to her, and another guy named David Strait. Both of them, I don't know anything about the people. I've never listened to them. But from what I've heard, they're pushing all kinds of crap that's designed to make money for them. And it's going to screw people over when, it, when, when they try and use that paperwork. Yeah, uh, straight yeah. paperwork apparently is like 30 or 40 pages, which is absolute bogus. Um, mm-hmm. You can do a single single page affidavit that handles everything you need to, and it corrects your status. It deals with income tax, the whole shoot and match. And um, you know, I haven't filed a 1040 since 1996, and um, I've been using uh, Roger's information. I filed my affidavit in uh, August of 2015. And I haven't had any problems. Um, everything works fine. And um, I can't stress it enough, but check out uh, uh, from sovereigntosurf.com, I believe is the uh, website. Yeah, from, I have that. I'm one, one of my favorites. Yep. And um, But his information is the right stuff. And when you hear him talking on, uh, you know, whether it's John B. Wells or any of the other shows that he's been on, he's got a show on... Uh, I think he's doing a show on RBN as well. Plus, he's got the the one that he does out in uh, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, Monday through Friday. 
on uh, Eurofolk Radio, uh, People's Paper, Patriot Network, and uh, great information. Um, I can't stress enough, people need to do that. They need to get their affidavit filed and uh, learn the material. But he's got a book that um, it's all, you know, I think he only charges five bucks for it. And if you can't afford that, he'll send you a copy, (laughs) you know, Um, and it covers everything you can do that. And that's what I did. I got a copy of his book and I drafted my affidavit based on what was he actually reproduces it in there. You just change it to fit your situation and uh, send it to the secretary of state. And have they ever tried to make an example out of anybody? No. That's the thing. We've never, and there have been hundreds and hundreds of thousands of these things filed from what we can figure. And the one thing that he says, and I agree with him, is that if anybody had a problem, Roger would be the first to know. They would say, I did this and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody has ever contacted Roger to say that they filed the affidavit and it didn't work for him. So, so that should tell you so, something. So in the government or the, the, the representatives or whatever department or whatever it is, they they all know that uh, once you file that paperwork that you have freed yourself. Yeah. And the thing is, is they come up with little tactics to try and, you know, th- some people uh, lately have uh, received letters back, um, you know, saying that from, from the from the looks of what you filed, uh, that means you are a citizen or some kind of thing. <laughs> and basically, Roger will actually help you draft a uh, a response that tells them, I'll quit lying and do your job kind of thing. And uh, ultimately, they all get filed. You know, every once in a while, they'll try to try and uh, sucker somebody in. You know, they're testing the waters to see if the person really knows the information. But the thing is, is they can't do anything about it. So they come up with these half-hearted attempts to try and, you know, snowball somebody. And uh, when the person really knows the information or gets a hold of Roger, they put together a response that stops them dead in their tracks and the paperwork goes through and they get their um, return receipt and everything shown that it's been taken care of. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's had, amazing. Had we lived that way, you know, from the, from the beginning, um uh, you know, uh, most of the problems that we see, I, I, I think, I think would be, they just would, they'd be gone. Don't you think? Well, I can say one thing. It'd be a whole lot different. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, we wouldn't have just gone through three years of stupidity with COVID because people would have known what was going on and said, screw you. We ain't doing that. That's what's, which is what I did. I never put on a mask the whole time and, uh, never had any problems. I've had, I had two places that refused me access and if I knew then what I'd known now, I would have filed against them in uh, 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 county, the local uh, small claims court and made a boatload of money off of them. Well, because... I should probably qualify that statement a little bit. What I mean is, though, is that, you know, they wouldn't be able to redistribute wealth. Oh, yeah, because they wouldn't be able to get it in the first place. Mm-hmm. If people knew what was going on, they wouldn't be paying income taxes. And the thing is, is the, the two things that need to be done to straighten this country out is, number one, you need to stop paying taxes. Number two, you need to stop voting. Because every time you cast a ballot, you are giving your approval to whatever comes out of that election. And yeah. that's just a problem that uh, you need to think about. And it's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. You know, I stopped the, the income tax stuff you know, over 20 years ago. I stopped right. voting about a year ago. 
I finally reached a point where I said, governed. I ain't doing this. What's that? Yeah, you're, you're consenting to be governed. Yeah. It's, you know, it, they, they according to this uh, Declaration of Independence, you know, governments are instituted among men, and the prior to that, to secure these rights <laughs> that God has given us. Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And when you go to the election, you cast your ballot, you're giving your consent to whatever the outcome of that is. So anybody that voted in 2020, you consented to having your vote stolen and Joe Biden put into office illegally. And everybody's whining and crying, well, we need to do something about 2024. Yeah, don't go. (laughs) What happens if they gave an election and nobody showed up? Yeah. You can't and, fudge and, an election. You can't steal it when nobody goes and votes. And Jerry Day, he's talking about fascism. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, you can't, you're not supposed to co-mingle. Yeah. You're, you're, you're being, you're, funds. you're, you're being a part of the problem and not a part of yeah. the solution. And, you know, people have a hard time swallowing that pill because they're told from a young age, oh, it's your civic duty to vote. You know, we're, we're told all this crap when, in fact, it's all a lie. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, like whenever I listen to the Thursday show, uh, you know, those two clauses are always mm-hmm. uh, at the forefront. Because, because <laughs> yep. it, it just seems like it invalidates like <laughs> Sorry know? about that. Missed my button. Um, yeah, that's the thing. And it shows the criminal nature, the, the scum that wrote it. Yeah. You know. People think that, oh, our founders were great, wonderful men, and they were inspired by God to draft this document. They were a bunch of crooks. You know, they were the same kind of people that we have in Congress today. A bunch of freaking crooks that think that they know better than we do, and on top of that, that the money we have belongs to them, and they're oh, going to yeah. get it some way, shape, or form. Yeah. You know, yeah. Robert Morris and, you know, Alexander Hamilton and all the rest of them, and, you know, the people like Jefferson, that dude was like a weather vane. So mm-hmm. was Madison. You know, one minute they're thinking good, the next minute they're screwing people. Yeah. You know, even, you know, old old uh, General George, you know, first in war, first in peace, first in the hearts of his countrymen. <laughs> you know, all that crap, you know. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down the carry tree. You know, <laughs> give me a break. You know, there's no, no, there's nothing new under the sun. That's what the Bible says. And I'll stick with God's word every single day of the week oh, and twice on Sunday, you well, know, yeah, and, and, you know, when you, when you really look back at, you know, in time, all this has been done before. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's been constantly, it's been, the, the government has been quite consistent, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in doing what they've done all these years. Yeah. Now, you know, you got to look at things. Have we, in fact, built the one of the most powerful, greatest countries on the planet? Yeah. Look, every, this is where everybody wants to come. Trouble is, we're letting everybody come in illegally to destroy this country, oh, uh, you know, based on the crooks in government currently. But and that's treason. You know, and our system, if it was applied properly, if it was run by uh, credible people, which it never has been, but if it was. It would work fairly well, but what would work even better is the pro- is the document that we had originally that was never repealed that technically is still in force called the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union. 
You know, the only reason we got rid of that is because the people in power couldn't do taxation like they wanted to and suck money out of the populace. That's why it had to be taken down. And we were given what we got now, which allows for that very thing, (laughs) complete and total taxation. Well, Uh, hey, Sarge, I know you've got uh, something you probably want to say about your upcoming show. So I'm going to let you go ahead and do that. Well, I appreciate it, Mark. Have a good one and hope to see you in an hour. But uh, yeah, we're out of time for today. Uh, We'll either be back on the same time and channel uh, Tuesday of next week. And uh, we'll also be back at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern on the same venue. Uh, with uh, Mike Gaddy, Cal Robbins, and DW, and we'll be talking about the history of this country and all that kind of good stuff, the Constitution, and we'll learn more. So uh, however you do it, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. We will see you very soon. Take care, God bless, and have a wonderful rest of your day and a wonderful weekend. Take care.